0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 14 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here today with a uh, Paleo cookbook Kindle publisher uh, who's uh, from, originally from Pennsylvania and is now living out here in Chiang Mai for a few months. His name is Brandon Nolte. Hey, how's it going, <laughs> Johnny? Hey, what's up? Uh, hey, it was really good meeting you today. Um, so we met today at uh, Paleo Breakfast, uh, which is, how, how did you hear about this event? Um, well, I saw it on the forums. Uh,
1: you know, I know that they've been doing it for a while. And, uh, of course, as someone who follows the paleo diet, I was really excited to see something like that. You don't, you don't even get something like that in
0: the States, really. Yeah, it's crazy that, you know, all the way out here in Chiang Mai, you, you have all these events. I think it's because people have free time. And everyone lives close by. Nobody has responsibilities. Nobody has to be... Cause, so what the Paleo Breakfast is, it's put on by a couple guys from the D.C., uh, Doug, um, Noah, and, and they're the main organizers, right? Yeah, I think so. And every Friday, they invite people over to their house um, for Paleo Breakfast from 9 a.m. to, I don't know, whatever. I guess. <laughs> yeah, they made squash. There was fresh fruit. There was uh, an egg, some sort of egg omelet thing that was really good. Yeah, cooked in coconut oil mm-hmm. and uh, tons of fresh coconuts. Mm-hmm. That was nice. And I think you can't really do that in the US. We're back home because people have normal jobs. <laughs> so you mean that they, they, they'll they be working at the time when... Yeah. I mean, you know, who can who can go on a Friday between 9 and 11 just to have breakfast and, and network and talk, just talk to people? Yeah. You probably just don't see that. Yeah. But the cool thing about it is you meet really interesting people. Uh, like, so me and Brandon actually just met this morning. Correct. <laughs> and uh, I was you know when I found out he does paleo cookbooks on kindle I was really excited because for for a couple reasons um so in this episode I really want to ask you how you got started in kindle publishing how you make money online doing it uh how it's kind of funded your life to be able to travel but also I want to talk about paleo because you know eating this diet has really helped me not only be healthier but also more productive and have more energy to run my online businesses Uh, what is your experience with with the paleo diet it's been great. Uh, I've been doing it for about three years.
1: Um, it, it started, um, I actually, ha- I ran into some troubles with some intestinal pain, and I'll, I'll save you the details, but I was actually hospitalized a couple times. I went through a whole litany of tests. I had a, uh, I had a colonoscopy. Um, I'm only 27, so usually you don't have to have that for another uh, 15 years or so. Um, I had you know my gallbladder checked. I had all these you know thousands of dollars' worth of tests, and nobody could tell me what the answer was. All they could tell me was that I had um, intestinal pain or intestinal inflammation was, was the conclusion that they came to. And, uh, and that wasn't just, it wasn't good enough for me, uh, but I, I ended up trying, um, trying the paleo diet. I read a book, The Paleo Solution, which is by Rob Wolf, probably one of the most popular ones out there at the time, and it, it had just come out. And uh, I was like, well, you know, we'll just give this a shot and see what happens, what's the worst that could happen, and, you know, end up changing my life for sure.
0: You know, it's crazy is a lot of the people who, you know, are deepest in the paleo community, like Rob Wolf, like yourself, um, you know, other authors of paleo, you know, diet books or, you know, have paleo blogs are people that really needed to get in paleo because of health issues. And it wasn't just to lose weight or just to look good. I think that's the case with almost anything. I mean, (coughs) if you don't have motivation to do it, then why are you going to do it? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, looking good naked is motivation, but it's not enough to really change your life. I mean, most people that... Say to Mm -hmm. me, you know, hey, Johnny, I want to learn, you know, can you tell me about the paleo diet or can you, um, can you tell me about how how to move to Thailand and, you know, live a four-hour work week, how how to make money online. Most of them, the reason why they don't actually do it is because they don't really need to because their life back home isn't that bad. You know, they don't really, you know, they would like to lose a couple pounds and, but they don't really need to feel better because they're young. um, They they don't have any major health issues uh, or they have a job, you know, that, they don't love, but they can get by and they're comfortable. So they don't really need to build all my business. Um, like for me, the only reason why I was successful at building a business is because I, I was forced to, I mean, I was in Thailand with no money left and I didn't want to go home and I didn't even have a plane ticket home. So I had to build a business that was profitable. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, publishing on, on Amazon, uh, especially on Kindle as a, as a way to make money. Cause you know, obviously there's hundreds of thousands of books out there. Um, how does someone even get started publishing their first?
1: Uh, well, how would you get started? I guess the best way to get started, if if you are interested in it, would be to um, to figure out what kind of topics you'd like to talk about. Um, the way that you come up with books for eBooks, at least the way that I see it, is a little more. It's similar to creating a, a normal sized book, except it's a much less of an undertaking. But the same rules apply. Um, you still have to have uh, something that you're interested in or have somebody write the book for you in something that, um, you know, you can sell. And, you know, the other component is having a market that wants, uh, that is interested in that book. So, you know, you have to figure out one, something that you're interested in, two, uh, what are people actually buying? So those are the two main components that you want to first
0: consider if you're interested in looking into this. Okay. And would you recommend you know, having people write books about things that they, like what's more important, stuff that they already know about that they're really interested in, or things that sell well already online?
1: That's a tough question. Um, I I really think it's, for me, it's very important, and this might be the case with other people as well, it's very important to get those quick wins. So when I first started uh, with Kindle about a year ago, I, I had a book on Android apps because I was develop, developing an app, and... And it was a, a good topic. I started to make some good money from my first book. And I think without that initial success, I wouldn't have been as motivated or inspired to keep working. So if someone were to make a, a book about, you know, microphones, and they really don't care about microphones, you know, and it does, or, or they really like microphones, and that's why they want to make a book out of it, and then it kind of flops... You know, it's, it might be a slap in the face to some people who aren't used to uh, to failing a
0: lot. Um, yeah, I, I read a quote out there that the people who make the most money in, in business are also the people who go broke the most or have the most failures. Um, and I think with, you know, especially with publishing Kindle books, it's one of those things where I wouldn't advise someone to go into it thinking that they're going to be rich right off the bat from it because it's it's one of those i mean you really have to pick it as as your main focus as a career i mean uh, i have one book on kindle and it does okay and i I think a lot of it it just it was just because it was good content and i had a lot of blog followers and i kind of got lucky with it but it's definitely not a way for me to make enough money to to live um if i wanted to have that be my sole source of income i'd have to spend focus all my time on it i'd have to write multiple books uh, for example, like how, around how many titles do you have on, on Kindle? I have about 40. Okay. And if you, if you only had four, you know, and you spent you know, all your time, um, you know, marketing those and pushing those, you still wouldn't be, you, you like, it would just be impossible to be SSS as successful well as you are now, uh, with 40, right? It's a lot of it is a kind of a numbers game. It is absolutely. And you know, the
1: thing is you can do all the, all the sorts of metrics and, uh, yeah. All the research that you think, you know, you can you can check all all the boxes and you can be very confident that this is gonna this topic will do well, you know. But then, you know, the circumstances aren't right and it just totally flops. I mean, there are just so many variables to consider when doing things that you can't for you can't confidently say that one topic like bitcoins is gonna do extremely well just because it's popular online. Um, So that being said, it's it's something, indeed, where you have to kind of commit to it and, and uh, you know, put a couple, couple fishing lines out there and see what you can get. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in there thinking, um, I'm just going to do one book and see how it goes. Like, if you want to try it out, um, you know, you should probably do, like, uh, maybe three or four books in different topics and, and then see what kind of revenue you're getting in. I mean, you can definitely start making some decent money if you do the right niche selection, um, within a couple months and, you
0: know, just get those quick wins going. I think that's most important. So I actually know a guy who uh, was making a lot of money on Kindle, <laughs> basically smuddled, you know, peddling smut. He was uh, writing romance novels uh, under a pen name and he... He, he, he probably doesn't want me to mention his, his real name so I'm not going to say it uh, but he you know he was an author for other books um, that did quite well and he accidentally settled on to this niche and he didn't really care that much about romance novels um, but, but he saw that it was a it was a hot seller and what he did was he he just started uh, going to the chat rooms um you know, and these like, uh, like literatica kind of places where women would submit their fantasies and he would just chat with them, find (laughs) out what their fantasies are. And he'd write a, he'd write a book, you know, with a great, uh, a great, uh, cover that was really enticing. Um, and he made a killing from it. Like, I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean it was it was probably closer to ten thousand dollars a month than it was a thousand. Well, that's a great way to crowdsource. I mean th- that's really what
1: you want to do when you're looking into these different topics is you got to find out what people actually want. What I mean that's that's a very concrete example of someone figuring out exactly what people want to fantasize
0: about and then creating that product. That's exactly what you do. Yeah, it's amazing, I and mean, I think the only reason why it doesn't work anymore uh, is. And I don't know too much about this, but he he said something about uh, Amazon basically wanting to take it off of, um, you know, Amazon didn't really want that, like this, these general, these niches of, um, you know, kind of like, you know, great fantasy or, you know, know, BDSM fantasies to be on Amazon anymore. So they kind of shut them down. Uh, So, you know, I know, uh, I think it was Danny, somebody talks about a lot. They said, whatever business you get into, ask yourself, does this pass the grandma test? (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that was one of those things where it doesn't pass the grandma test. You know, you wouldn't want to tell your, tell your mom, uh, your grandma that you're writing these, you know, really kind of hardcore romance novels. And romance novel, I don't know if the people listening to this have actually read it, but like Fifty Shades of Grey, is probably the most famous one, and it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty graphic. I haven't read it, but I've heard stories. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and the reason why people read it is because, and you know, it's women, it's their women's version of porn. And and it's a lot more hardcore, uh, you know, even though it's just a story than what what guys would watch. Uh, And that's why it sells, especially, you know, that price point, um, you know, three three to five dollar price point. You know, women will just they'll just download 20 of them. Um, So I guess the lesson you can learn from from this guy is, yes, there are these kind of gray hat, black hat, you know, bad, you know, I would say, you know, Niches that don't pass the grandma test where you can make a lot of money in a short while. But the problem is eventually you'll get shut down either by Amazon with Google, things like that, if you try to if you try to sell in these niches. And all that work you put in, I mean he put in a lot of effort and I'm sure he was happy that he made a lot of money in the short run, but I'm sure he would rather have put in that effort and continued to make money.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately what you want to think about is whether whether it's something you'd be interested in talking about, you know, whether it's your grandma, whether it's to your friends, you know, if it seems like something you're uncomfortable about, um, but it'll make you a lot of money, you know, that's that's a judgment call on your own personality. Is that something that you're comfortable doing or, or is it not? You know, some people, that's totally fine. They can do all sorts of weird niche topics and, you know, not feel bad about that at all as long as it's making them money. and. You know, that's something you have to decide for
0: yourself. I think five years ago, I would have happily taken the the payday and said, okay, you know, it it doesn't matter if my mom doesn't approve of this. Let me just, you know, it makes money online. Let me do it. Uh, but now that I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit older, but, you know, I've been through the block a little bit. Everything that I, I do, I want to not only have my parents be proud of me for, but also I want it to be evergreen. I want it to be something that if I put it out once, you know, for the next 5, 10, 20 years, I can still make money from it, even though, you know, even and it's not going to get taken down. I'm not going to get slapped by Google. I'm, Amazon's not going to delete my account, things like that. Um, so that, and I guess that's why Paleo is so, so good for you because you, you know, you have a big interest in it and you, and you live it.
1: Well, it happens to be doing very well. Um, the topic itself is, you know, becoming more, much more mainstream.
0: So that's certainly helped. I think it's because it works. You know, and, and really when it comes down to it there's a lot of fads um, like you could have made money selling acai berries or Zumba I guess oh, Zumba probably works I don't, I've never done it but you know like or um, I mean a good example would be like a green, bean, a green coffee extract yeah you know and these fads that will you know people will talk about for a while but the reason why they don't have longevity is because they don't actually work you know versus paleo really does work yeah
1: I mean I think so too but it's it's certainly it's a tricky subject, you know, because we're we're obviously biased, you know being being the one off case that it works for us, you know it's hard to it's it's hard to say with a diet um you know what's gonna work long term, how's it gonna evolve i mean i I'm constantly thinking, you know will this will paleo be around in the form that we have it uh today you know what will it be like in the future, how will it evolve? i mean, just try to think back to. Previous diets that have like lasted the test of time, you know, what are there any like com- that come to mind? I mean, I can think of you know like Weight Watchers has been around for a long time. Like, obviously there's a there's a strong, passionate group around that uh, that topic, you know, and it's built around a brand. I guess it's a little more commercial than um, paleo since it's built around a business. Yeah,
0: I think what's cool about paleo that is it's not based around any business and. You know, when it comes down to, you know, the biggest arguments people have about paleo is, oh, cavemen didn't really eat that way, or, <laughs> you know, these foods aren't around anymore. Personally, I don't actually eat the paleo diet. I, I eat kind of, I just try to eat real food. Yeah,
1: and, I think they're completely missing the
0: point, mm-hmm. when pe- people who say that. Yeah, well, you know what it is? Is people always try to find ways to, why something wouldn't work. and. You know, it's a good and bad thing, right? I mean, the good things about it is, you know, you question things. But to me, if, if something works, I don't really care why it works. <laughs> you know, if I, if I see living proof, like, I mean, here, here's one thing I've, I've been doing. And it's, it's a little bit messed up, but I've really came to a conclusion where if a guy that's in worse shape than me is trying to give me diet advice, I don't listen to him. And I mean, that's it. Like, yeah. if a guy is fat and he's trying to tell me how to lose weight, I'm not going to listen to him. You know, if a guy is, you know, he looks sickly, you know, and he's like, oh, bro, you should, you know, you should really try tempeh because it's uh, super, <laughs> super good for you. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of guys who do, you know, kind of modified versions of, of paleo. Um, like Dave Asprey, who, who I like a lot. He does, the, he's the Bulletproof Executive. And the reason why, I, personally, paleo didn't really work for me that well. But his version of paleo, which he calls the upgraded paleo, worked, is when I was trying to do paleo, I just completely got rid of all the things that, uh, that I'm not supposed to eat like wheat, dairy, uh, grains. And I didn't replace it with anything. The only thing I was eating was I would eat more meat Mm. thinking, okay, this is the way to to do it. And first as much, you know, I do enjoy eating meat, but by me tripling my, my meat portion didn't really work. It wasn't sustainable. You know, I kind of knew like this can't be the best, you know, solution and it's not the best for the, for the environment. It's not the best for my wallet. Um, and it was, it was Dave that he basically said, no, no, just eat a normal amount of meat. If anything, eat less meat. Only eat meat that, you know, is grass-fed or, you know, actually healthy meat. Um, but just eat, you know, and you can eat more healthy fat. And that's what really allowed me to, to stick to the diet. Uh, what's your experience been like?
1: Uh, well, I guess everyone has – you kind of have to tailor it to yourself. You know, there's, there's, not, there's not a one kind of – there's not a box of paleo that you just open up on day one and it's like, oh, I've got paleo now, you know, <laughs> you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. I mean, you're talking about substitutions. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Every time I, I talk to people about paleo or, or any sort of other healthy diet that you may be into, really, I think it all boils down to making proper substitutions. So when you think about things that maybe aren't as healthy in your life, maybe, you know, the pastas or the breads, um, if it's something that you want to remove from your diet, whether that's on paleo or whatever, uh, you need to find some sort of substitute. So if you're not eating sandwiches or, or bread, bread's a great example. You have to find substitutes for breads. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, what do you do for a turkey sandwich? Well, you could wrap it in cabbage. You could wrap it in lettuce. You could uh, You could just not buy deli meats. You could go to, you know, you could there There's all these different substitutions that you have to make, and that's that's really what enables you to make a long-term switch to a a lifestyle, an actual lifestyle change. You know, I, I mean, I think it's it's difficult for some people, um, you know myself included. Uh, when you think about it in the short term. But really, you know, you want to try it out. And if you can find something, if you can find a way to make it sustainable for the long term, that's really what you want to do. And by, by having substitutions for common, uh, common items that you want to remove, that's really how you can uh, make the quick switches on the fly when you're thinking, oh, I gotta eat a sandwich. Well, what can I substitute? Okay, I know exactly what to do. Oh, I need pasta. Oh, I could have spaghetti squash. Okay, and, you know, and you kind of have those like go-to substitutions for your normal foods that you really want to substitute out. You gotta have something in re- in replacement, or it'll be just it'll be super easy to slide right back into it. Yeah,
0: and I think that works really well for a certain people. Like my sister, she really likes to cook, and she likes you know to find kind of healthier or paleo versions of her favorite recipes. Like, for example, you know, you're, you you're mentioning spaghetti sauce. It's a great, easy way to replace the, the pasta. Um, for, yeah, you can basically just use normal marinara sauce still. So, you know, there you have spaghetti. And it tastes a little bit different, but I actually really enjoy it. I, I think I started liking it more than I do normal spaghetti. But, I love it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she, she, it's funny that she always buys me things like uh, seaweed noodles or kelp noodles. You know, as these substitutions. And I told her one day, I was like, you know, I'm okay with just not eating spaghetti anymore. Like, I'm okay with just eating some vegetables, a little bit of meat, mm-hmm. some avocado. Um, and I think I've, I've kind of looked at food a little differently, especially now that I, I travel a lot. Um, you know, I still, I really do, I, I honestly do enjoy cooking. I don't really enjoy the cleanup so much. But I also don't really need to cook anymore. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, living in places like Chiang Mai, food is so cheap and so abundant that it's almost ridiculous to to cook and clean (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i just got here but
1: i don't know i I really wanted to get a place with an apartment and this is a terrible time to find an apartment because apparently everyone wants to come to chiang mai in december Mm -hmm. um ideally i would like to have one so that i could cook like to me i would really like to explore um food through and eating paleo through the uh the the foods that are local here really mm-hmm. I mean because you you come in and there's like only a subsect of what's available I'm from the states yeah. you know you, you don't have the whole smattering of every single vegetable ever you come in and you have like only certain vegetables to choose from I think that would be kind of exciting to um, take what I'm used to cooking and try to make more substitutions right that's what I'm talking about okay going to a new environment and you figure out okay what can I use You know, oh, they don't have avocados. Oh, they don't have whatever. Like, what can
0: I use in place of my good healthy fats for you know for that purpose? And you also find these random vegetables that you've never heard of or seen before. All Uh, sorts of crazy vegetables. Yes, I had this salad yesterday, and there was, um, you know, some greens on it that it looked like to me, you know, just normal. I I have no idea. I have no idea what it it was. But when I had a bite of it, it tasted like wasabi, Hmm. and it, it looked like a it looked like lettuce and it tasted so strong, like it almost like I guess horseradish type wasabi and it it was really a big shock and you know so little random vegetables and, and herbs out here like that you know, you'll never find back in the U.S. you know especially at a, a normal market so yeah that would be fun I mean I tell you what I'll make you a deal I'll help you find a cool apartment with a kitchen <laughs> uh if you want to cook once in a while yeah yeah deal nice <laughs> uh the, you know the, one, of, one of the cool things about um about Chiang Mai is this paleo breakfast it, they it, so they have a uh, live-in that's not really living. live-in I guess she comes in every day uh, she's a she she helps clean the house and she also cooks and they taught her they basically trained her how to cook paleo they said okay that's pretty awesome yeah you know um, we want you to make eggs but please cook it in coconut oil um, you know we want you to make um, pumpkin steamed pumpkin but please you know, don't use you know XYZ with it right and no MSG no MSG yeah things like that and it, it worked out perfectly uh, you know, when I first wanted to get into paleo, I was, I, I think I was living, I was living in Thailand at a Muay Thai gym and I kept having excuses on why it was too hard to do it out here because Thai food is, you know, noodles, it's rice, you know, you go out, you want a sandwich, things like that. And, you know, I kept thinking, oh, when I'm back in the U.S., it'll be easier. And it was pretty easy when I was at home and I had access to Trader Joe's and I got to cook and fry myself. But then it was, I think it was in January, I, d- I decided, I was like, you know what, no more excuses. I'm just going to do it. And I decided at that point to to do one hundred percent grain free, and it worked. I mean, it was it was really just my a mental decision, thinking, you know, what? No more excuses. I'm going to do this no matter what. So I'm always curious. What was okay. the
1: what was the main uh, benefit that you could feel or tell right away
0: that you were like, all right, I'm gonna keep doing this. You know, it, it's really hard because at the same t- at the same time, I started the you know eating completely paleo. I had just started CrossFit, and I think it was. You know, I know there's a lot of pros and cons of CrossFit, but one of the biggest benefits it did for me was it taught me not to make excuses and just push hard. Um, you know, which isn't always a good thing. You know, th- that's why some people get injured. <laughs> but at the same time, it did teach me just you know what if you're going to do something, just do it, do it correctly, do it 100. percent And it was because of CrossFit that I started Paleo. Um, and I actually I'm taking a break from CrossFit now, uh, mainly due to injuries. <laughs> 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 but um, it, you know, it did get me in the best shape of my life. And I've taken a lot of the, the foundations and the principles from it uh, in my everyday, you know, normal workouts. So, for example, these last couple weeks, the only workouts I do is I'll do, you know, if I feel like I haven't worked out in a few days, I'll sprint. You know, I'll just – I'll literally go downstairs into my parking lot and there's a little, this little tiny hill and I'll just sprint. And I'll just run as fast as I can, walk back. And repeat it ten times. That's tough. That's tough to do. But it's it's so. I mean, at the same time, it's so easy if you think about it. That's really only five minutes of your life. It was so. It's such a short amount of time. But I think the
1: motivation required to like mentally prepare yourself to be like, all right, I'm just gonna sprint, and then I'm gonna take a break, and then I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it feels like you know stabbing a fork in your eye.
0: It, it really does. But afterwards, I think it's it's really because I've sat through those crosshair classes where I was forced to do that as a group. Yeah. And I wanted to give up so many times. And I was like, I, I'm 100%, if I was at a gym with my friends or by myself, I wouldn't have pushed through as hard. But it was because I was in a group with everyone else doing the same thing that I felt like I, I had to get through it. And what I've learned from that mentally is that 12-minute, um, you know, CrossFit workout, workout of the day, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's really only 12 minutes. So as hard as, as it is, as much as it sucks, as much as I want to quit. I've learned, you know, what I just need to get through it, and afterwards I'll get the benefits of it. And the side benefit is, like you're saying, it, tra- it uh, travels over to other
1: areas of your life where you know you can just, you know, you're working on something, and you you feel like quitting, and you know you just need to, you know, push through for that last mile. And I think sometimes when I when I get into a, a routine when I'm lifting, you know, you feel you feel like you can just do anything, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you feel physically fit, I think it really helps mentally for you to be able to. Tackle other areas of your life as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, ever since I, I got fit, you know, I started eating healthy. I've been, I've been better at business. You know, I can actually sit down and just bang out work. I mean, it's, it's incredible how, how easy it is to mentally focus uh, when you're not always tired. I mean, I have so much energy now. I mean, from the moment I wake up until the moment I lay down to go to bed, I'm, I have energy and never need to take a nap anymore, uh, which, you know, used to be such a normal thing is after you eat a big meal,
1: I still love naps. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I had to take a nap after a big meal, like, you know, which was usually lunch and dinner every day. You know, especially back in the States, you know, you'd have... I loved carbs. I would have usually potatoes, pasta, and bread, you know, at every single meal. Wow. You know, or some kind of combination of multiple carbs. And I would always... To me, it was normal to eat and then be tired for a few hours. And now that I don't eat carbs, I realize after I eat, I expect energy. You know, and it's such a... It's such a, I don't know, it's almost one of those things where it seems like it'd be common sense. You know, you're tired, let's eat some food, and then I'll get energy from the food right away. You know, but in standard American diet, it's the opposite, where you eat the food and then you're tired, which doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I always think about that, too, and and when I have a, a really big meal, you know... Something with a lot of fat or a lot of protein, something that's really satiating. You can definitely tell. I I can tell. You um, even if I don't have a lot of carbs, or actually, especially if I don't have very many carbs at all, I can tell kind of that I'm mentally um, a little slower. I think it's because my body has said, "All right, you know, you found some food. Um, I'm going to go ahead and work on that." You know, yeah. you don't you shouldn't be like stressing yourself. I mean, that's how I take it.
0: Yeah, I mean you're definitely right. We, you know, your body takes energy to break down things like protein. Um, even you know, even things like sweet potatoes, which which I really enjoy, especially. So, are you on super your... low carb right now? So what I do is I eat sweet potatoes once a week. Wow, <laughs> only once a week, just once a week. And for the rest of the week, I I eat lost as many vegetables as I can. I, I'm not a believer in you know limiting the amount of vegetables I eat just to you know stay under the 50 gram rule to stay in ketosis. So I'll eat as many, you know, as many vegetables, especially raw vegetables as I can. Um, never count, you know, I never count it. Uh, and I eat a lot of... They're so tiny. I mean, you'd be counting, like, five five things of kale and, yeah. like, it'd be crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, I eat a lot of vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go to, like, salad buffet By the bushel? Yeah, and I just, I just destroy it. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I basically, I don't eat any rice. I don't eat any wheat. I don't eat any uh, pasta, you know, basically no grains. And once a week... And it's not always on a specific day. It's, I feel like, you know, I could feel my body just wanting some kind of carbs. Mm-hmm. So about, about once a week, I'll have sweet potatoes and I've, it's been great. I mean, I've been, I've been, you know. So, I've been, so no rice. No, no rice pot- at all. No regular potatoes. No white potatoes. No. Wow. Yeah. And you
1: don't feel any sort of, I mean, you, you've said you feel great. You feel like you have energy all day, every
0: day. Yeah. And I think the only reason why it worked for me this time around and not in the beginning, it could be two things right One is they always say um, when you first go into you know low carb uh, your body's getting rid of all the years of toxins and things like that, so mm-hmm. you can feel like crap the first couple of weeks. so it could have been that I don't I don't know, but I think what it was was when I first you know started doing this type of diet, I wasn't having enough healthy fat, mm. so I just had nothing, so my body was just yeah. running off of you know protein and you know, I, w- I didn't think I was eating that many vegetables then. I was just kind of eating a lot of protein, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which isn't good for anything. Um, so now, yeah, now I eat tons of grass-fed butter. I eat tons of coconut. I probably have three coconuts a day. Uh, I have a rule where every single place I eat, if I can add avocado, I will. Mm, avocado is great. Yeah. And you know, uh, one of the reasons why I didn't add avocado to everything before was it's sometimes prohibitively expensive. You know, especially in the U.S., sometimes they want $3 to add avocado to whatever you're eating. Yeah, it's a ridiculous add-on fee,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. You can you get, like, three avocados for that price. Yeah,
0: but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I ask myself, I'm like, okay, what what do I want for my body? What's what's the best for my life? What's healthiest? And I decided, you know what, I don't care if they, they charge me $10 for avocado. It's I mean, I'd rather have them not, but... At the end of the day, I'd rather make $10 more a day online and be able to afford the add-on than, you know, compromise and say, oh, you know what, maybe I'll just have some of this bread.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's, health is one of the things that I'm willing to spend almost, you know, almost to no ends on, you know, like some people like to spend money on clothing and, you know, I'll spend any sort of money on, on food, especially
0: healthy food. Yeah, like, for example, grass-fed butter is more expensive than normal butter. And it's a lot more expensive than margarine. It is much more delicious, though. It tastes so much better. Like, how how amazing is grass-fed butter? I mean, so if, if you're in the U.S., you can go to Trader Joe's. You can get Kerrygold, which was my favorite out there. Uh, and out here in Thailand, you can get something called Anchor. From Australia, right? Or From New Zealand. New Zealand. And it's incredible as well. And it's, you
1: can see what's amazing to me is you can really see in the color. Yep. You can see the most of the generic butter that we get in the States is a very kind of manila, like think manila folder. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the actual grass fed butter is like, it's like kind of like a
0: vibrant yellow, like almost like a tinge orange. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's actually not like that the whole year around. Um, sure. Sure. Uh, but when it's, you know, I guess when it depends on what the, the cows are eating, if they're eating really green grass, then it, you get that during well, the summertime, they yeah. graze more. Yeah. You get that really orange. I mean, yeah, the really orange color, which is, brilliant uh, but you know for me i figure w- whatever time of the year i mean there's some sometimes it's gonna be better sometimes it's gonna be worse but it's always gonna be good for me but it's cool that you can see the vitamins yeah like that's literally why it,
1: yeah. the color is different
0: is it's the quality you can see the quality just like eggs egg yolk yeah oh man the, the first time i saw a really like sunset orange egg yolk it was at my sister's house and the, i was spending the night she was still sleeping and i made some eggs you know I think I just made a couple of eggs and some butter and some salt, just like I normally do. And it tastes so good. So it's so different. And I yeah. asked her, I was like, where the heck did you get these <laughs> eggs? And so she gets it from a local farmer and you know, they are these free range chickens that, you know, actually eat whatever chickens normally eat and not, you know, they're not stuffed in these, uh, these, yeah, cages, they eat bugs. Yeah? that's what they eat. Yeah. And it, oh man, the eggs tasted so good. And I could just, I could taste the vitamins in it. Yeah. It truly does make a difference. Yeah. But one of the scary things is a lot of, uh, you know, big egg producers are catching on and they're adding stuff to make their own coloring. Yeah. yeah they're mm-hmm. adding uh, like, they, like there's one that they advertise bright orange yolks. And I'm like, you know, if he's advertising this, he's probably adding something to the egg to make it that way. Or they, they'll add flat, you know, these, um, rancid flax seeds to the diet. Oh. So they can have more omega threes in the eggs, you know, and it's all marketing cause They, Cause the problem is people hear, Oh, omega threes are good for you. And you go to the store and you'll buy omega three eggs. Not realizing that chickens aren't supposed to eat flax seeds in the first place, and especially not r- r- rancid ones that, that that you know are the cheapest they can buy. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into into health, but the reason why I really wanted to bring it up is if you're if you're thinking about traveling or building business or really just kind of getting your life, you know, everything in your life improved, diet is a huge part of it. I think diet's the keystone habit. I don't know if anybody's read who's listening has
1: read. Uh the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, no. fantastic book. Um, he talks about this concept of the keystone habit. That once that habit um, it happens and occurs within somebody, kind of all the other uh, related habits can kind of fall into place. And so the idea is, you get your health set, then okay, you can you can like legitimately like you're talking about start a business, and you can um, you know maybe get your social life in order or, or whatever the things you have working on. But the idea is. Once you feel great, you can almost accomplish anything.
0: You know, and that's so true. And my life is so different. I mean, I know we just met today, but if you had met me 5 months ago before I, you know, really got all my life in order, I was completely different, you know. Uh, now I always I'm just I'm just fun to be around with because I'm always in a good mood. You know, I like I don't have I haven't even had alcohol since July 11th, which is my birthday. Wow. And my social life's been better than ever. And you know, I just I think when you're in a good mood and you're feeling good, it radiates, and everyone around you just knows, "Hey, you know, <clears throat> this guy he he likes his life, you know." And it that, shows, yeah, and it translates to, to business, and translate to ne- translates to networking, translates to everything. And so, how crazy is it that I mean? So, how long you've actually been in Chiang Mai? Only a week. Okay, and you randomly met me, some ra- random guy at at breakfast. And 10 minutes later, he's like, hey, do you want to come back to my hotel
1: room? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little sketchy. But I said, what the hell?
0: Yeah. You walk in. I don't even have a key. It's completely dark. <laughs> what, what was going through your mind when you walked in? I'm about to get executed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. And it's, it's really this travel lifestyle that, you know, people allows you to have these new opportunities and these new experiences. And you can learn from each other so much. I mean, so... Uh Brandon, he just sat down and looked through my, my Kindle uh, book and through my Kindle sales. And he, and he just gave me 10, 10 great pointers and s- has said, hey, if you want to make more money sell, or sell more books, you can do these things. And it's, you know, it's things like that where, I mean, probably everyone that you meet, everyone, every single person you met at breakfast today, everyone that we're going to meet at Punt Space later when you go into, um, you know, when you go into the co-working space, you know, these people will all you know, be able to really just help with whatever business you're in. So we were talking about earlier how,
1: you know, you, you wanted to know why why did I come over? Why does anyone come over? You know, I mean, Thailand is great in itself, but really I came for the people. I came for the peer group, you know, the people from the DC, the entrep- the other entrepreneurs that I met at the conference and I just wanted to kind of plug myself into that group. You know, I've been working heads down in suburbia for, uh, you know, the last year and a half and while I was able to do some some good things for my business, uh, you know, you only accomplish so much when you're when you're by yourself. And you know, like you said, you just make these these one-off connections, and y- you know, you can just do
0: so much more. Yeah, one hundred percent true. And, and I, I know I talk about it a lot, but you know, Chiang Mai really is the hub for for entrepreneurs and networking right now. I know Saigon's a big place right now as well, and I'm hoping that there's going to be these places all over the world that that are popping up. Um, so I'm going to be exploring a lot of these kind of throughout the year trying to find where the best places are but as far as right now Chiang Mai is really a a good base like what do you like about it so far I I know you've only been here for a week well obviously the cost of living is a huge thing Um, you know especially for
1: someone who's looking to start off uh, with a business or you know you came over and and you know had very little to start and no money (laughs) (laughs) exactly and and no plane ticket home and you know it just goes to show that you can just come over here you know get yourself in the right in the right mode and 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 be determined and, and make it happen almost anybody anybody can do this if you've got the right mindset you really can so what are you paying for your apartment right now per month it's dirt cheap it's really cheap it's like 166
0: bucks per month and what were you paying back in Pennsylvania uh I don't know maybe like 600 700 so I mean just there I mean I, I think for if you really needed to you can just take that just your rent budget $600 a month mm-hmm. and you actually could eat and live. And, and work for an entire month. Yeah, if you
1: if, needed to. If you really want to skim by, you could
0: probably get by by 600 700 a month. Yeah, I mean, I that's what I did for, for a long time. And, you know, while I was building my business, I mean, for the first couple of months, you know, made no money, made, no, made zero dollars online because I was building the business. And that's what I did. I just wanted to get by as cheaply as possible. So I lived in a place that was $150 a month. Uh, I, you know, ate Thai food, which is a dollar per meal. You know, and I really you know, just didn't spend money on anything. And but then during those months, you know, you're able to kind of incubate your business, mm-hmm. start out bootstrapping with with nothing, uh, meet tons of people who are willing to help you out. I mean, every single person you've met so far has been wanting they're just giving you advice all the time, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Actually, some people were angry at me for not telling them what I was doing. <laughs> I said I said I was working on a side project, and one of the guys was like, "Well, what is it?" You know. And, it, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it's, it's just awesome. Everyone's very helpful, and um, it's just
0: incredible to have that kind of support, really. All right. So to, to wrap kind of things up, uh, welcome to Chiang Mai. It's really fun to meet you. Um, I'm glad you're doing really well on uh, – you're killing it on Kindle, basically. <laughs> uh, and so if, so if someone wants to get into to Kindle publishing, what are a couple of tips? You know, let's say if someone is just starting out, and their, their goal is to make money selling Kindle books. What are a couple of quick tips that you can give them to get started um, so on the whole, I, I think, and, and this, this
1: was my experience with Kindle, and I think it, it could probably resonate with some other people as well, was that you know, I was somebody who was in a job that I, I wasn't happy with, and I was looking for something to start on the side that I could do you know, in my spare time. You know When I in- initially started, I worked um, before work, I worked after work. I worked on the weekends. You know, I did whatever I could because my goal was to get out of this job. I wanted to replace my current income with a side business, and you know, it, it takes a little while to to make that happen. Um, but what I was what I was getting at was that um, with Kindle, you know, it was really something that allowed me to prove to myself that I can I can do this, that I can make this happen. You know, before before a year and a half ago I hadn't made a dollar online I mean you know besides selling maybe some books back from school Mm -hmm. on Amazon um but but really if someone is is looking to just kind of test the waters and to to find something that can potentially you know give them confidence to do more I think Kindle is a great great platform I would I would hesitate to recommend people to try to make a living off of it um because I think it's it's kind of um it's difficult you have to put tons of energy into it but I think you know to get started you can really prove to yourself I think that's the biggest thing is for somebody sitting on the fence somebody sitting in that office and you're thinking like you know how are people doing this you know you really just gotta you gotta try it and and start getting some money and prove to yourself that you can do it because you really can
0: yeah I I think you're absolutely right of that because if I if I didn't start selling my kindle book uh, I wouldn't have really believed it was possible to, to live off of just online income. I mean, I've been wanting to do it ever since I read The 4-Hour week years ago, and I've always made you know a little bit of money online. You know, always, I'd, I'd be excited if I made $30 online through affiliate you know sales or s- some kind of, you know, surveys online or something. Um, and when I started selling, so the first month I sold my, my book, 12 Weeks in Thailand, I'd made, I think it was $600 in profit. And it was a great month. It was, you know, because it was also the launch as well. So I had a bunch of blog readers who were waiting for the book to come out. But that paid for my entire month's living in Thailand. And that really made me believe hey, it's 100% possible to make mo- enough money online to, to live and travel. And, uh, you know, and that's what, what, what launched me towards my e commerce business now and my other businesses I'm doing online. Where, you know, I, I chose to do another path where I decided, hey, I don't want to be a writer. I realized how much energy it takes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to become a full-time writer and make that your full-time career. But it really did launch me. So so that's great advice.
1: Would you say you have more confidence now to do other things now that
0: you've, that you had the book and you've got some success? And- yeah, 100%. And, and the great thing about it is that book still passively makes, right. you know, money online. I mean, it's, it might only be, it's usually between 150 to $200 a month, which isn't a lot of money, Um but it's completely passive now, and you know it's because it's good content. You know people write reviews on it. It's growing. People share it with their friends without me doing anything with it, and it's it's awesome. So
1: here's my recommendation for anyone who's who's looking to get started
0: on Kindle. Possibly use it as a
1: stepping stone. So use it as something where you can build your your internet marketing skills, so that you can start to get some money coming in, prove to yourself that it's possible that you can do it, and give yourself the confidence to accomplish more. So start out with something, you know, make it very achievable, and then once you get some some money coming come rolling in, you know, the, there are endless endless amounts of ways that you can make money online. But once you prove to yourself, you can do anything. I love it,
0: uh, Brandon. Thanks for being on. Uh, what's your Twitter so people can get,
1: get in touch with you? Yeah, you can uh, you can add me at Brandon C Nolte at. Uh,
0: Twitter. okay <laughs> cool and if you if you can't spell that if you want to uh, link to any of the topics we talked about in this episode and you can go to the show notes at travel podcast.com uh brandon thanks so much for being on the show and enjoy the rest of your trip here in Taiwan. thanks thanks so much for having me thank you for listening to the travel like a boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode join our mailing list at travel podcast.com See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.